Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Aaron Donald is uh, he's a monster. Everyone knows it. Everyone around the league knows um, the type of player he is and how he can really disrupt um, an offensive game plan. And so for us, it's you know we're aware of that. We're aware um, somebody we got to always know where he is. Um, but at the same time, we got to execute. We got to come out and execute, not not play afraid or not play timid. Um, but he's a guy we, we definitely take uh, accountability for where he's at at all times. And um, like like you said, I mean, he's a game wrecker. And if, if you let it happen, so we just got to be smart with how we handle that. Carson Wentz sacked eight times by the Washington football team front four on Sunday. And now here comes Aaron Donald. <laughs> that was just the warm up week one, Carson. Here comes the guy that's really going to give you nightmares as Aaron Donald and the Rams come to town. The Rams looking better than I thought they would. The Eagles looking worse. This is going to be an interesting game. Rams 1-0, Eagles 0-1. We're going to do a little what's more likely, Chris, on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Okay. As a way to kind of preview the week by focusing on specific ideas and concepts from the given games. For example, what's more likely, Aaron Donald gets two sacks or Carson Wentz throws fewer than 40 passes? Oh, by the way, Wentz has gone eight games straight, not including the wildcard playoff that he left early with a concussion, with 40 or more passes. So what's more likely? Man, this this is a good one here because I I, I mean – Carson Wentz, you're right. I mean, that's the first thing you think about. Can they run the ball? Can they be consistent that way? They got offensive line issues too. And they got, yeah, like guys that are new in interior, left tackle, Aaron Donald coming into town. Holy cow. Uh, I guess what I'm going to say is more likely here. I got to see it first. So I'm going to go Aaron Donald gets two sacks. I got to see that the Eagles can have an offensive attack where Carson Wentz doesn't throw for 40 or more attempts, that they will run the football a little bit. I'm thinking this will be the week they do it. If there's a weakness to the Rams a little, it is you can run on them. They're not necessarily big. They're chaotic and fast and explosive and disruptive and all that. But, yeah, I got to go with Donald's two sacks right now. I I don't believe it with the Eagles. He had a sack and four total quarterback hits against the Cowboys offensive line. He's unreal. much better than the Eagles offensive line. No matter what you do, to to put extra resources on Aaron Donald, he's still – 
going to get past you. There's a clip floating around of him basically picking up Ezekiel Elliott and throwing him. Yes. Well, that one hit on the uh, – the it was Ezekiel Elliott had to pick him up on the blitz, I believe. I think it was that play. It was comical. Watching it on Sunday night, sitting there live, I mean – He's like he made Ezekiel Elliott look like a toy the way he flew in the air and fell on the ground. And Ezekiel Elliott, as we know, is rocked up and thick and dense. Aaron Donald has he is uh, he's in the converse, he's starting to be in the conversation for one of the greatest defensive players ever. Uh, I just hope everybody realizes what they're watching. It's it's that it's no longer like first ballot Hall of Famer. He locked that up two years ago. Now it's like. Whoa, is he starting to get into Ray Lewis, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor? Like, that's what kind of force he is. It doesn't pop as much because he's a D tackle, but that's truly the type of guy he's starting to get into the conversation with. Greg Robinson, Blake Bortles, Sammy Watkins, Jake Matthews, oh. Justin Gilbert, Anthony Barr, Eric Ebron, Taylor Lewan, Odo Beckham Jr., all taken before Aaron Donald in the 2014 draft. And the Lions are the ones that should be kicking themselves. They took Ebron thinking that he was going to be the quasi-replacement for Calvin Johnson in the passing game from a production standpoint, not yeah. taking his place as a receiver. But that was at the point where they weren't quite sure what Johnson was going to do. They had obvious needs at defensive tackle. Can you imagine how good the Lions would be oh. if they'd had Aaron oh. Donald with Matthew Stafford for the last seven years. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, listen, he's he's a he's a game changer, an organization changer, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of teams there that you look at and go, hey, your your history might be a little different if you if you picked Aaron Donald. There was a time early in their respective careers that I made the observation on Twitter that the Lions should really regret taking Ebron instead of Aaron Donald, and I think Ebron reacted in a negative way to it. Well. Uh, I win yeah. that one, Eric. Sorry. You're still playing and good for you, but Aaron Donald is a transcendent talent. And look, here's the thing. I think it's possibly both. I don't know which is more likely because Donald's going to get his two sacks and they're going to harass Carson Wentz and he's not going to be able to get 40 passes off. Maybe not. I, I, and, or I just would think at the very least they'd go, wait, we didn't pass protect that well that last week. Our quarterback got hit a little bit. And this group here is just as good at rushing the passer and getting after people and just causing disruption that way, run game would be the best thing you can do to slow a guy like Aaron Donald down from, you know, just flying upfield. You know, people, I always see these, you know, I, I know last week a big thing became Aaron, Ronald, Aaron Donald's not that great against, you know, the run, right? There was this whole analytics thing based out there. It, yeah, he's not a... A, a, a like a plug gap type of defensive tackle. That's not what they ask him to do. They're not asking him to sit in there and take on double teams and raw and just create a mosh pit in the middle of the the offensive line to where nobody can move. No, that's not his game. So there are they ask him to go. Hey, you see that gap between the guard and the tackle? We want you to get through there every time. Win that one. Win that one. And and he wins and he wins and he wins. Sometimes he wins so fast and so quick that he flies up the field and it leaves a gap to where he was and the running back might run and all of a sudden he makes a cutback and he goes back to Aaron Donald's hole because Aaron Donald's five yards upfield and that can. There's a lot of issues there, what I'm saying. I don't b believe in those analytics because of what he's asked to do. And then, of course, the disruption he causes that leads to other people getting tackles, which was part of the analytics conversation there to where, again, you know, numbers are good and everything like that. But 
that's one where I would say they were wrong with trying to say he's like not one of the better run defenders in all of the NFL. And I think this is part of the psychology of the analytics crowd. They all want to try to one-up each other. They all want to look a little bit smarter than the other one, come up with some new take, some new twist. And I saw a clip similar to the point you're making where Aaron Donald so dramatically and quickly blows up the hole that the running back doesn't even try to go that way. He runs into the spot where Donald had been. Right. And – I, that's Donald's fault, no, right? I know. He did everything no. he was supposed to exactly. do. Is he not supposed to blow up the hole? That's his assignment. He wins. Right. They need to, and and I think we saw some flashes of that. What you need to do is have somebody in position next to Aaron Donald to pick up that no that, doubt. and to plug that hole that's going to be there. there. There was a moment the other night, and I think Chris Collinsworth picked this up on on uh, um uh. Sunday Night Football. That's the name of the show. It's on yeah, NBC. Anyway, there was a, a double. There was a, yeah. There was a double. T- just on the, the the number one show in primetime for ten years. Aaron Donald was double teamed, so you put a guy next to him because that guy's going to run scot free because they're so focused on Aaron Donald. Sure. The guy next to him goes in untouched. So maybe they're at the point now where Donald is so good. Part of your self scouting of yourself defensively is to figure out where these gaping holes are going to be created by the wake of Aaron Donald, make sure someone's there because an offense can exploit them. No doubt. There's no doubt. As a little, That's where they're like Corey Littleton, their linebacker they lost in free agency to the Raiders. That's where he was great because he was an athletic, really fast. He could diagnose a play, and that's why they like faster-type linebackers, Mike, exactly to what you're explaining. It's a little bit like the Pittsburgh Steelers the same way because they know they're going to create all this chaos up front with their defensive line, and it's going to leave some gaps every now and then to where you need a guy that can run 4-4 or 4-5 at middle linebacker that can go, oh, wait, Aaron Donald flew upfield. I see that gap. I know I'm supposed to be over here, but let me fly over there and try to help and make the tackle. And, and yeah, instead of it being a 10-yard gain, it's a 3-yard gain. That is how they play. You're, you're a little bit like that. And the smart teams – when they play the Rams, a lot of the times have some design game plan runs to where they kind of invite him to just fly up field, and then they try to create things behind him to run that. And I wouldn't be shocked if you saw some of that in the Eagles' attack this week too, just to get him the hell out of the way so they don't have to deal with him. Well, they got to do something because otherwise it's going to be another long day for Carson Wentz, a guy who's got a well-documented injury history, and he got sacked eight times last week and he was sacked eight times by the Washington football team's front seven Arizona Cardinals taking on Washington this weekend what's more likely DeAndre Hopkins gets 12 or more catches in his second game with the team he had 14 last week or Washington gets five or more sacks Kyler Murray actually got sacked five or more times in four games last year. So what's more likely, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not shocked that Kyler Murray got sacked like that. First off, they don't protect the ball that well. He at sometimes is going to, you know, push the limit as far as because he's going to go, oh, I think I can get around the corner here and run for 40 yards, and he might do that. But at times it costs them to where somebody then grabs his shoulder and pulls him down and he loses eight or nine yards. You're going to have to live with some of that with Kyler Murray because we saw when he does run, it can be very exciting and game-changing, like last week. That run won the game, basically. Um, ooh, I don't know where to go here. I think I'm going to go DeAndre Hopkins gets the 12-plus catches. Is that crazy that I'm going to say that? I, I can't believe I'm saying that. But I think in year two, 
Kyler Murray is not going to get sacked five times anymore. I think he's too smart. I think they were very smart last week in getting the ball out of his hands. They got Hopkins a lot of quick throws, screens, things like that. Then they got settled in and they started to work it down the field. I think he realizes what he has to do to keep his team in the game. I'm actually going to go crazy and say 12-plus catches. can't believe I'm picking that, actually. And also, I need to look at his numbers from last year. I, I, I think he's more willing this year to cut it loose and run. Instead of staying behind the line of scrimmage just go when and waiting it. for something to develop when it's there, just go. Because yeah. I think they're comfortable that he can protect himself down the field. Whereas last year, you know, you don't want to find out the hard way that the guy can't protect himself yeah, down the field. Year, last right. week showed us that he's got the instincts to do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Even though DeAndre Hopkins' season high for any game last year was 11 catches, he's got 14 week one. I think it's far more likely he gets 12 then that Washington front gets to Kyler Murray five or more times in that game, and that should be a very interesting game. That Who would have thought both of those teams going 1-0 and heading into that contest? All right, uh, next game for a what's more likely category, the Baltimore Ravens heading to Houston to take on the Texans, who, like the Chiefs, have an extra three days because they played on the opening Thursday night. What's more likely, Lamar Jackson, Ravens quarterback, defending MVP, has four touchdown passes, or uh, Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson has zero touchdown passes? I have a hard time believing Deshaun Watson won't throw a one-touchdown pass. With this aggressive Ravens defense, who will give you some opportunities, they've got a pretty good wide receiving core. I know that it wasn't special last Thursday night but still you know they're a work in progress here so let's see what they got but yes I think if I'm going to err on that I, I think I'm going Lamar Jackson has four TD passes because I, I just have a hard time thinking that Deshaun Watson won't get at least one if so if not a little bit more against uh, this team and how they like to match up against uh, wide receivers and everything like that yeah I agree with you I think it's more likely that that uh, Lamar Jackson gets four then Deshaun Watson gets zero because I don't think he's getting zero. Right. I don't know that Lamar's getting four, but last year in week 11 when the yeah. Ravens blew out the Texans, it was four touchdown passes for Lamar and zero for Deshaun Watson. And that was kind of one of those moments that just underscored how good the Ravens were. We already knew they were pretty good by week 11, but that was a jarring outcome to see them completely dismantle the Texans the way they did. So yeah. they get together. And, and again, who did the Texans piss off in the league office to start their season? The best two the teams in football. And the Ravens. I know. Yeah, it only goes up from here, Billy O, so take heart. Uh, at least you're getting these two out of the way, and you can build on it from here. All right, Patriots and Seahawks, Sunday night football, slated for Seattle, although the air quality in Seattle, who knows what it's going to do to that game to be determined. What's more likely, Cam Newton has 15 or more rushing attempts or Russell Wilson throws 35 or more passes. Last week, Newton had 15 rushing attempts, exactly, actually 14 and a kneel down, and Russell Wilson had 35 throws. What's more likely? Ooh. I, I, I think I'm going to go with 35-plus passes by Russell Wilson. I think I am. That's a good one here, too. It really is. I think Cam will get close to that 15 number again. I think he'll probably get into double digits. But it's a different scheme in Seattle, what they play on the defensive side of the ball. There's almost always eight people at the line of scrimmage. I think that'll force force New England to maybe throw the ball a little bit more last week where they might have had a run-pass option. Okay, hey, this is a look. Hey, I'm going to run the ball. I'm Cam Newton. Boom, whatever. This week, I think they're going to get some looks where Seattle's going to be like, you really want to run into this front? All these guys we got up here? 
And I think Cam Newton's going to be like, check, 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 let's throw the football. So I think it'll be a little less than that. Plus, I think the other thing that I want to say here is with the secondary of New England, and again, Bill, oh, Bill, Bill Belichick has started another theme in NFL football of called play through your secondary to build your defense, which is, which is brilliant once again. But I think they're, you know, they get, they're awesome. They're going to get in the face of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Philip Dorsett. And that's going to, in Seattle, even though they like to run the ball, I think it's kind of the same thing. They're going to go, wait, there's too many people in the box here to run the football. We got man-to-man with DK Metcalf. Let's throw the football. Let's be aggressive that way. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Russell Wilson 35-plus passes. I'm going to go with Cam has 15 or more rushes. Okay. And here's why. Belichick created the impression on Monday that all 15 of those rush attempts came from an option look. And, right. And I, I put on my Ron Jaworski frames, officially licensed, and uh, there were seven design runs for Cam Newton. There were six runs out of an option look, out of 13 total option plays. Uh, one scramble and one kneel down. That's how he got his 15 runs. So I, I think they do intend to dial up the run. And I think trying to play it off as it was all from the option and he just hands off sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. I think they plan on using his legs. Why wouldn't they? And I, I think they'll find a way to set up that Seattle defense where they, they and look, it, if, if, they, if they are that close to the line where they take away both sides of an option. Yeah where there's going to be somebody there for either one, then the, then you, the you're pass going to throw is it over the top, and, the, exactly and then they're right. going to adjust to it, exactly. and you're going to eventually get the look where you can do the option. They're not going to put those that many guys at the line all game long because Cam Newton will throw over top. I, I would think so, too. It's, this is a good one. I mean, really, I, whoever made this up, whatever idiot is back there making this up in our sheets and everything, we got a good, good options today. <laughs> good job, idiot. Yeah, good Great job, job idiot. all you idiots. Way to go. But th- 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 that was all a right. tough one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Not for me though, because I just think that that we're going to see Cam run a hell of a lot more than we realize, and that that answer from Belichick on Monday in hindsight was just a way to throw people off the scent, I believe. Yeah. All right, Vikings and Colts both zero and one, both desperate for a victory. What's more likely, Philip Rivers throws zero interceptions or two or more interceptions? <sighs> I'm going to go with zero interceptions. If he throws two or more, I, I gotta, I, I gotta be like, what the hell? I don't know what, what I'll, I'll be. I would, I really, I'm gonna be like, man, Philip, why are you doing this to yourself? Why would you do this? I gotta think he's smart enough to realize, like, wait, am I gonna really, you know, put this same, you know, perception or aura I had with the Chargers, and that's why I'm not there anymore. Now I'm gonna start doing it here with the Colts. And just start this whole conversation that you can't trust me and I'm just too loose with the football and all that. I got to think this week, and especially recognizing that Minnesota's offense stunk last week in the meaningful part of the football game, that he's got to look at it and go, wait, I don't need to push the envelope. What the hell am I doing? So I'm depending on him self-scouting myself and adjusting his play this week if not his butt's going to be on the bench soon so he better adjust here's my take on it and this is not a game that I have watched yet and I just saw some highlights and I can't even remember the highlights of the interceptions I know CJ Henderson the rookie had one stupid it's stupid it's, interceptions here's the thing. both of them were they were they were the interceptions of like Think about the mindset of the game. They're supposed to win. They're supposed to win easily. Was it like a frustration manifestation where, 
what the hell's going on here? You know, you can get a little loose sure. when you're in that mindset sure. that we're supposed to be winning this game. We're supposed to be completing these passes, and you end up taking a risk you shouldn't take, and you get picked off. I'm, I'm, I, I can't, I can't buy that explanation because th- there was. I don't know whether that no, was. No, I know. I'm, I'm just, just saying, trying. Is it possible I know, that no, was no, no. it? I, and I'm not trying to say you were wrong. I'm just saying, like, just for that scenario, you're saying I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just going. They were moving the ball, Mike, up and down the field. He was playing great. He made a number of great throws. I mean, really, when you look at the good from the game, you go, man, Phillip Rivers and the Colts, if you took away those interceptions, you go, they must have won by two touchdowns, 17 points, something like that, the way they moved the ball. So I I would have a hard time thinking he got frustrated. He just gets over-aggressive and greedy at times. You know, he, he got fooled by a rookie, C.J. Henders. They were in a coverage out there. He peeled off the outside receiver, and he had the slot receiver working an out route, and he threw it without really seeing where the corner was. And then later on, he makes just a tight throw into, like, you're just like, that's tight, and you don't have a howitzer for an arm anymore. So don't make that decision. So they were two, like, just bonehead decisions to me. And, again, they never punted. They, they moved the ball at will the whole day. They screwed that game up. Uh, and, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think it was out of frustration. I don't think it was. I'm watching the second interception now that came with 4.33 left in the game. Jaguars leading 24-20. Right. Colts on their own 31. And there's a kind of a weird motion, weirder than his normal motion when he throws the ball. But, my God, the guy's clearly covered. Right. Uh, and, again, that may be there, the right? – that, that that's one of those I, I don't okay, look you're trying to make something happen yeah that's you're right losing you yeah. don't know why you're losing you weren't supposed to be losing and sometimes you just kind of give in to it so my point is this yeah he's far less likely to be frustrated in this one uh because it's a better team it's a better defense it's a better offense you know the vikings are going to score their points philip rivers needs to settle in and just make things happen and score some points but they make it into a shootout and if it's a shootout you're more likely to have more interceptions yeah. i mm, I'm going to say it's more likely he throws two or more. I, I, think, I think the Vikings uh, are going to have a foot up their butt all week long from Mike Zimmer. Everybody connected to that defense, and they're going to be challenged to go out there and do something positive against Phillip Rivers. So they're facing, I think, look, the last week's Minnesota defense was horrible. This week's is going to be better, and I think they're, they're uh, going to get a couple of interceptions. That's more likely than getting none against Phillip Rivers. All right, last game to take a look at. The Bears at 1-0, hosting the Giants at 0-1. What's more likely? Mitchell Trubisky throws three touchdowns in one quarter, as he did last week, or Saquon Barkley has under 10 rushing yards uh, for the second straight week. What's more likely? I can't imagine Saquon Barkley has 10-something rushing yards again. Now, again, like last week, we could talk about Saquon all we want. You watch the game on Monday night. I don't care who the hell you had. Bruce Banner and the Hulk could have came out. They weren't going to get any yards running the football. It's a little different defensive scheme, a little more stand-in-your-place as compared to Pittsburgh as far as what Chicago does. So I would think he gets more than 10 yards. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, I think that it's more likely that Trubisky can throw for three touchdowns in a quarter, which I don't know if I necessarily think is that likely either. But if you're going to make me pick the out of the two, I'm going to pick that. And we know that the Giants' secondary, I don't think, is anything special. And I don't think they have a great pass rush either, which can lead to maybe Trubisky having a day that way. But this is one where I look at it, I don't think either one happens. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. There's no but, – but of the two, yes. of the two. What are you going to do? Uh, it's Trubisky throwing three and a quarter because there's no way in hell 
Saquon Barkley is going to be held under 10 yards. I this can't week. imagine that. No way. Yeah. No how that's going to happen. Uh, and, and you're right. When, when Bud Dupree is slashing through the line on every play, you're not going to have a big night if you're Saquon Barkley, the Steelers. And this is this is part of the fun of week two. We start to get an understanding of who was good, who wasn't good. I think the I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. We're taping later this morning the joint PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned Picks podcast. You know, the Giants gave the Steelers a better game than the final score would suggest. And the they Bears this pulled game. a rabbit right. out of their butt or elsewhere. I, I could see the Giants winning this game. I, I could too. There's no doubt. I was thinking about it last night because you know I want to whoop your butt in these picks. So I'm I'm thinking and uh, yeah. I, I this to me it's it's uh, maybe the Bears have a little bit of the edge, but it's close to a coin flip type game for me. He wants to be in New England, and now that Cam's there instead of Tom Brady, he may want to be there even more strongly. Coach. No, you got you guys kill me. When it's uh, Houston, we don't need a number one receiver. Let's be out there go. Let's I didn't do it say with that. The committee. Now you got the Patriots with a committee. You want a number yes. one receiver? Make up your mind, coach. Please. Coach, coach, hold on, hold on, Mike, hold on, Florio. Coach, I never said that. I was relaying the message that Tyron Matthew told me. I never said I agreed oh, with him. It was just Chris Sims. Okay, it yeah. was just Chris Sims. That was from Football Pod in America. Oh well, Rodney could kiss my butt with yesterday. that. I, we did a <laughs> we did a group conference call last week, and he thought I was exactly right on a Monday call for NBC starting to kick off the season. So he could try to backpedal out of it all he wants. He agrees well, he's with a defensive me. back. Yeah, he's a good backpedaler. Uh, and again, hey, sometimes committees are better. Sometimes you know one guy's better. We'll see where this goes. I, I love how everybody's gonna. One week, it's the determination for the rest of the year. Uh, we'll see. But uh, you guys are having a good convo about but Odell Beckham Jr., and I don't know where that's going to go. That all came up from that perspective of Rodney and I believing that the Browns need to move on from Odell Beckham Jr., and that's why Coach Dungy mentioned the DeAndre Hopkins thing and why do you want to trade away a number one receiver. Well, the Texans traded away a number one receiver. I don't know what the Browns would be trading away at this point. Yeah, that's a little different. Odell Beckham Jr. Right. It's going to affect his trade value because who knows what you're getting yeah. from Odell Beckham Jr. at right. this point, which continues to make, in my mind, the Patriots the perfect destination for him if he truly will submit to the Patriot way. He thinks he will. He thinks he will. Well, yes. I, I, I think it's th different when you actually have to do it. It is. It definitely is different. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I think he could certainly go up there and adjust. I do. But I think what's amazing, and I mean, again, we had a long conversation about this yesterday. I just look, I mean, if something doesn't seem to start to click here soon, yeah, is Cleveland going to start thinking about, like, let's abort mission? And again, I don't know what's going on between Baker and OBJ, but they are off kilter. It is not good. I mean, I talked, we said earlier in the show, there was two plays early on. Odell's off, open. He's the first read, and Baker looked at him and didn't throw it. You know, then he has other throws. He throws it to him, and Odell drops it. And you're like, what the hell? And then you got another throw. Where he, they're going all go routes. He's bending it in against the Baltimore Ravens from the inside. He's open. Baker throws it five feet behind him. It's just they can't connect. At some point, you just got to go, okay, it wasn't meant to be. Maybe we got to just trade the guy. And I think what's interesting this year is we have some marquee quarterbacks and teams that need, quarter, um, need a big-time receiver. You know, you talk about or, the, the Patriots, the Packers, the Seahawks. They could all be in that conversation.
Let's bring it back to a conversation we had last hour, though, about the Cleveland Browns and about the length of the leash on Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. There is a possibility, and I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying there's a possibility that before Odell Beckham Jr. is traded, Case Keenum is inserted into the game, and then all of that chemistry, that natural chemistry they're trying so hard to force between Beckham and Mayfield Maybe it just happens between Beckham and Keenum. Maybe who who knows? But I'm that could change everything. It could. Maybe you don't have to trade Odo Beckham Jr. if Case Keenum comes in and completely changes the offense. Because look, Keenum's got that, you know, that thing that we got to get to these props. But yeah. that thing that that Mayfield is missing the escapability. You know, one of the things that you and I were both amazed by from Case Keenum in yes. 2017, his ability to escape pressure, move laterally, reset, look down the field. Oh, no one's open. I'm going to move again, reset, look down the field, and boom, somebody comes wide open. Can you imagine what that would do if you combine that with Odell Beckham Jr. being the guy who catches it wide open 20 yards down the field with no one around him? He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Right. Right. They're struggling to find a way to get Beckham the ball in his hands in space so he can explode 80 yards to the end zone. Yeah. You get Case Keenum doing what he did in 2017, you're going to have Beckham getting the ball a lot more and doing a lot more with it after the catch. Keenum is certainly a key. And I'm not advocating. I'm no, not advocating I know you are. I benching know. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I'm just saying there's a way this works without trading him. Yeah. Keenum's a capable starter. He is. I, I don't, I've always viewed him that way. And I don't care what happened in the last two years. I mean, come on. He was on the Broncos and the football team. They stung. I don't care who you put a quarterback. There was going to be issues there. It wasn't a support system. He is a guy that if you have a little system and a little talent around him, he can make the ball go down the field and score touchdowns, and you can win some football games. There's no doubt. But, yeah, I think you're right. But the last thing you said is right. It's still early. It's year three. There was some good last week from Baker Mayfield. That game is a little misleading, as you mentioned on Tuesday when you broke down the game a little bit in your Jaworski style, and you said, hey, that third and two drop by Odell Beckham Jr. at 17-6, to they move the ball down the field, and you're going, okay, they're going to at least get a field goal here. They're not out of this game. Maybe they get a touchdown, and that game could have been totally different. And they drop it. They don't get it. They get nothing out of Missed the drive. Missed the field goal. Missed the field yep. goal, and the game is over after that because then it becomes 24-6, and it's just too much to overcome against a team like the Baltimore Ravens. All right, the PFT props uh, per points bet, the new official sports betting partner of NBC Sports. Who has more passing yards tonight, Joe Burrow of the Bengals or Baker Mayfield of the Browns, Chris? Oof. I'm going to go Joe Burrow here. I don't – I guess what I – I think that Baker Mayfield and company are going to be able to run the football and dominate the line of scrimmage. That's why I'm saying this. The Bengals have a pretty good secondary. Um so I think that the Browns will really focus on the run game and take advantage of that tonight. And I also, I think I expect the Browns to be winning in this football game. The Bengals offensive line, not that great. I don't see them running the ball all that effectively on this Browns D line, which is pretty good. And I think Burrow will probably have to throw the ball against a beat up secondary in Cleveland too. And he's got some weapons. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Again, after watching that game last night, the Burrow debut, there's magic there. There's there, there's there's some 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 stuff that makes you scratch your head. No doubt. If he can iron that out, there's still plenty of stuff that's natural and effortless, and I think that he's going to be 
a very, very good quarterback if he can harness himself and point himself in the right direction, learn from his mistakes. But I think he'll have more yards tonight, uh, even though I, I – I, well, you know what? He should have more yards because Baker Mayfield should have 100 or fewer because they should just run the ball repeatedly with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. If they want to win tonight – they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because the Ravens couldn't stop the run. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the Browns decided, well, we just won't run, even though they're not stopping the run. Yeah, got All right, will either, guy, will either guy get to 300? It was Burrow with 193 and Mayfield with 189 in week one. Does either guy get to 300? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like it'll be like a high 280, maybe Burrow if he gets there. I mean, I mean, maybe. Uh, I think the game would have to unfold. He probably needs one real big pass play. But like I said, I think Burrow will end up with the more passing yards. And I think he'll flirt with 300. I, I'm going to say he falls just short of it. Uh, I, I agree neither guy is going to get to 300 tonight. I mean, neither guy got to 200 last week, yeah. and it's a short week, and it's a lot of work to do. And, you know, they got Joe Mixon in Cincinnati too, and that leads to the next one. Who has more rushing yards, Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon? Mixon had 69 yards on 19 carries. That's a 3.6 yards per attempt. And and also he had an ugly fumble. It was first fumble since his rookie season. He got hit, ball flies out, it killed a drive for the Bengals. Uh, who's got more rushing yards, Mixon or Chubb? I, I'm going to go Chubb here all the way. I, I am. I mean, again, I, I that like we've, we've talked about, the Browns O-line, they can move some people in the run game. And I no Geno Atkins with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I just look at that advantage Cleveland. And, and the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, it's still a work in progress that way. And the Browns D-line, you could say what you want about it, it's real. It's the real deal. You know, they weren't overmatched and pushed around last week against Baltimore, whom we know they can do it. They they were okay to hang in there. That wasn't really the issue of the football game. But, man, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Ogan Joby, Sheldon Richardson, that front four, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to get 100 yards on that group tonight. Hey, Ogan Joby just appeared in the backfield a couple a lot, of times right? early in that game. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, he was – look – that and again, thirty-eight to six. Oh, they got blown out. Oh, they stink. Oh, and look, there is some dysfunction. Dysfunction. There is some disarray in in Cleveland right now, but they didn't get blown out. Now it's their own fault that it ended up thirty-eight to six. It's their own fault that they didn't capitalize on opportunities to keep the game close or 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 have a chance to win it because they didn't stay committed to the run. But they did not get blown off the field. They didn't get embarrassed. If anything, they embarrassed themselves in not doing the things needed to be done to make the game more competitive. All right, more receiving yards. A.J. Green or OBJ? I'm going to go A.J. Green. I, I mean, I got to see it, that, that Baker and OBJ can connect. And as we talked about, and you, you brought it up with you know Jesse Bates, who's a heat-seeking missile, and William Jackson, I would think, is going to be matched up on Odell Beckham Jr. And I can tell you, that's going to be fun to watch tonight. I, I, I really encourage people to watch it. This 22 can really cover. And Odell, as we know, he looked healthy as hell to me. Uh, A.J. Green looked healthy, too. And I think that Joe Burrow understands how important he is. He's going to be his go-to guy. They missed. They were this close on a few other big plays. I'm going to go A.J. Five catches for 51 yards for A.J. Green last week. Three for 22 for Beckham. He was targeted 10 times Jeez. in the game and only had three catches. So I'm going to go A.J. Green also. I, I, I think that, that here's the reality. The Browns still have not lost that mentality from last year that we must get the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. We must get the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. So you take away OBJ and you frustrate him. 
You frustrate Baker Mayfield. You frustrate the offense. So, you know, either way, whether they commit to the run and forget about the pass and only pass when absolutely necessary, or they try to pass and they try to force it to Odell Beckham Jr. and they get frustrated, either way, I think A.J. Green's going to have more more yardage. I, I am astounded. Uh, one of the big things I thought in moving on from Freddie Kitchens, they would get away from this obsession with forcing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr., with getting the ball in his hands X number of times. And, and we've already seen that, that there is that undercurrent, and that undercurrent's going to be there for as long as they expect Mayfield and Beckham to coexist because deep down I don't think they want to, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I, maybe you're right, Mike. Gosh, I, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm shocked that it hasn't worked out yet. It's unbelievable to see two guys as talented as they are and really not connect and just have not found any rhythm or chemistry with each other. Um, I don't know where it goes. But, yeah, I'm not picking – Odell to outpace AJ Green right now with with the way that connection looked or lack of connection. We have one more prop and it doesn't come from points bet. It comes from our producer Pete Demolitis. Missed field goal extra points combined for Cody Parkey and Randy Bullock over under 2.5, Chris. Let's see. We had what did we have last week? Cincinnati just missed the one extra, the one field goal, right? And Cody Parkey, did he miss he missed a field goal and an extra point, right? So it was three total last week, if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. Austin uh, oh, that's was right. the guy who had I the forgot. misses last week, and then he got cut. I forgot. Right. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to go the under. I think we see two. I think we're going to see one or two, but I, I don't know. I just can't pick three. I, I'm not going to put the, the bad juju on these guys. They'll miss an extra point, and somebody will miss one field goal. I'm going the under for a very simple reason. I don't think Randy Bullock's going to kick tonight. The Browns cut Austin Seibert. The Bengals tra- uh, claimed him on waivers. They've got two kickers on their roster. So you think you might see Randy, him? Randy Bullock, after he missed that, that field goal that would have sent the game to overtime, he grabbed both legs, and yeah. he's been on the injury report all week with calves, not calves. So it's the double Rodney Dangerfield. Ooh, my arm, it's broken. Although he apparently did get himself injured when he kicked that field goal, and uh, I don't think he's going to kick. So... If he doesn't kick, he isn't going to miss any kicks. So I'm going to go under because I think it's just going to be uh, Austin Seibert ending up getting the nod for the Bengals tonight. But uh, but who knows? It would be fitting if Austin Seibert, four days after right, that would be kicking amazing. for the Browns, comes in and kicks the game-winning field goal for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to take down You Cleveland. know you're jinxed uh, if you lose that way, Cleveland. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I, I Look, I, I they got to do something. I, I think it's, it's critical. You know, it's way too early to say this is a must-win game, but when you consider the broader history of the Bengal or the Browns, rather, and where they are and what's expected of them, there's going to be fans there tonight. A certain number are allowed to attend. I, I think they really need to to win this game. They can't afford to fall to zero and two. They they and if they do, then you really do have to force yourself back to square one as an organization and make tough decisions, tougher than getting rid of a kicker about what you're doing at quarterback, what you're doing with OBJ, what your philosophy is. Because if the run's there tonight and they abandon it again, I, I, I'm not going to know what to say. Because, look, uh, if you and I can spot it, they surely, in looking at the film, realized we should have stuck to the run here. And we'll see if they do it tonight. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy birthday, National Football League. It was 100 years ago today that... Some folks gathered in a Huffmobile showroom in Canton, Ohio, to form the American Professional Football Association, which was renamed the NFL two years later. And that photo is the original champions of the APFA declaring themselves world's champions. World champ bugs me. They've been doing it for a hundred years. World's champs, not just world champs, but world's champs. We don't know that there wasn't a football team somewhere else that could have beaten them. Look at those guys. I think we kind of know, though. I think we know. Look at the picture, though. Right. Look at the picture. I could have found 20 guys who could have kicked those guys' asses on a football field in 1920. I don't know if you could have. I doubt that. Look at that dude on the left next to the coach. That looks like a big <laughs> sucker right there. The That's guy true. on the right, too. I Other than him. There's a few guys that look like they got some muscle and there's no weightlifting program. So, uh, I, th- that's cool. Happy birthday, now football that, hey, and everything. Now that I take a look at those two guys on the left, are we sure this wasn't the original iteration of the Mean Machine? <laughs> look at those two guys. They got some, yeah, uh, they got some shoulders and yeah. some neck on them. That's for sure. All right, I stand corrected. The Akron Professionals, world's champs, world for 1920. Did they not? Were they, did they know that? Did they think there was more than one world out there at that point? I mean, that's that. Okay, all right. Well, they, hey, hey, you know, well, I like, as I've know. said, why not just declare dominance when you win the Super Bowl? Why not just say universal champ? You're prove right. us wrong. Send, <laughs> send a ship of guys here and prove us wrong. Okay, uh, man, you can tell it's been a long week. Um, anyway, 100th anniversary, 100th birthday of the NFL today. Last year was the 100th season. And they were going to, I feel bad because of the pandemic, they were going to do a lot of stuff in Canton in connection with the 100th anniversary of the NFL. There was talk at one point they wanted to play a game there, a regular season game like this game tonight they wanted to do there, a Thursday night game. But, you know, the the stadium's too small. But uh, you can't do anything, obviously, until we get beyond the pandemic. So that part of it is unfortunate. But it is the 100th birthday. And because Christopher David Sims is a self-proclaimed expert on NFL history, here's the question. The Chicago Cardinals, now the Arizona Cardinals, and the Chicago Bears were the only current franchises who were at the initial meeting founding the NFL, American Professional Football Association, in 1920. But the Bears had a different name. What was the name of the Bears when they first started? Mm. I don't know this. This is a little outside of my realm of my timeline of being an NFL historian. I'll go with the Cubs. I don't know, though. 
That's not a bad guess. Right. Play the music. They were originally the Decatur Staley's. The Decatur, Illinois, Staley. That's what the Bears were at first. And what yes. is a Staley? I, Do we know what that is, or is that just a brand name? Or We'll, we'll, we'll try to figure out what a Staley okay. is. Uh, plenty of professional sports teams, though, where we don't quite know what that is, but it works. And if it would have been Staley's, if it would have stayed Staley's, we would just accept that they are the Chicago or the Decatur Staley's. The other franchises were, as mentioned, the World's Champs, Akron Pros, the Canton Bulldogs, Cleveland Tigers, the Dayton Triangles, because there is no geographic configuration. Not geographic. What's the word I'm thinking of? I'm blanking. What's the word? Geometry. Geometry. There's no geometric. I got the first three letters right. That should count for something. No geometric configuration more intimidating than a triangle. The Hammond Pros, Hammond, Indiana. The Muncie, Indiana Flyers. The Rochester Jeffersons, the Rock Island Independents, and the Racine Cardinals. Man, I love Uh, the names. Love it. And here's, here's why the Bears were called the Staley's. Yeah. The team was owned not by George Hallis at first, but by the A.E. Staley Manufacturing uh, Company. There you so go. it was a little free advertising for A.E. Staley. I like it. I like it. It's, it. I like those names. It's kind of why I like the Washington football team. I don't know. It just sounds like it fits back in the 1920s. Here comes the Washington football team and their uniforms. and Hey, champ, champ, how did you play today? You know, I, They just seem like they fit that mold. I think they need to stick with the Washington football team. I thought it would take a playoff berth or a Super Bowl run or something, but I, I just stick with it. And then you don't have to worry about copyrights. You know, the only problem is you don't have a nice logo. What's your logo? I, although I like that W. It is cool. The yellow W and right. the red. So yeah, I, I like they, it. Sometimes, sometimes the best things just kind of happen without any planning. Uh, which uh, you know, anytime we have a good show, that's pretty much how it it turns out. All right, the draft today. The most important matchups for week two. And I get the first pick since you got the trivia question wrong. And I'm going to go with the Washington football team. Their pass rush versus Kyler Murray. That is a critical matchup for determining who's going to come out of that game 2-0. and The Cardinals won last week. Washington won last week with eight sacks. Can Kyler Murray stay clean this week against Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat and everyone else they have who can come after you? Five first-round picks in that pass rush, Chris. Uh, Can Kyler Murray, the first overall pick last year, 2019, can he avoid them? That's going to be one of the big issues for week two. Yeah, agreed. It was one of the ones I had towards the top of my list, too. Uh, Can he avoid those big, awesome physical freaks and not let them ruin the game like they did last week for the Eagles and everything like that? I think we're both expecting Kyler Murray to be smart enough, elusive enough, and they have enough of a quick passing game to where I think we're thinking – they won't get a bunch of sacks on him, but we'll see. He lives dangerously, and we know he's a playmaker, so that might you know, end up him keeping the ball a few times, thinking he can make a play and he doesn't get around the corner or whatever it is. All right, I'm going to go uh, to our Sunday night matchup. Uh, how about Cam Newton versus Jamal Adams? I like that a whole lot. And I know this is a lot deeper than just those two guys, but uh, it just sounds better when I just pick those two. I mean, yeah, this is Josh McDaniels versus Pete Carroll, too. You know, matching of wits, how are you going to stop my new run attack and all these things I do with Cam Newton. And I, and the reason I picked Jamal Adams is because I think he's going to be an integral part of being that guy. Just like we saw last week, he's all around the line of scrimmage. He's blitzing off the edge. He's blitzing between the guard and tackle gap. You know, he's the guy that goes sideline to sideline and runs everybody down. I think that a lot of the time Seattle will set things up to go, hey, you got a gap, you got a gap, you got a gap. 
and we've all got our gaps, and we've all set it up that way so Jamal Adams can come through and clean up the trash. Just let him go run around and make the tackle. And I think that's the way they're kind of setting up their D a little bit to do that too. So uh, that's where I'm very interested to see this. Seattle always is stop the run first. And New England right now is old school and goes, no, we're running. We don't give a damn what you do. And it's going to be a little test of wills there that I'm uh, very excited to see. I had that game on my list, but not that matchup. I went broader, big picture, Bill Belichick versus Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll turned 69 the other day. Belichick in that same age range. Pete Carroll said yesterday he's on a five-year plan. So he's going to keep coaching. Belichick's going to keep coaching. Carroll was previously the Patriots coach and was fired. Really didn't turn his career around until he went to USC. And I remember how criticized that move was when they hired him. People thought, oh, we're going to stink now. Well, Pete Carroll's been one of the best coaches in all of football for the last 20 years. They've had a winning season every year since 2012. I think a real battle of the brains as it relates to game planning and preparation, uh, mainly defensively, and they're both defensive guys. So that was going to be mine, but uh, let's move to a different game uh, instead of Patriots-Seahawks, although that's one of the biggest games of the week. I'll go to Indianapolis because the Vikings get a chance to quickly get reacquainted with a source of – More frustration than anything else in recent years. Xavier Rhodes, once he got the big contract, he never really quite lived up to it. He got benched from time to time. He'd have blown coverages. It seemed like he was always in Mike Zimmer's doghouse. So Xavier Rhodes starting at corner for the Indianapolis Colts versus the Vikings receivers. This is either his chance to stick it to Zimmer or it's Zimmer's chance to exploit all of those things about Xavier Rhodes that drove him crazy. Either way, we're going to find out when they get together on Sunday. Yeah, that, that's right. We are. He's in a similar defensive scheme that he was with Zimmer there. He doesn't have to match up and play man-to-man a lot. I will say with Xavier Rhodes, he does look like he's thinner and lost weight to where he's moving a little bit better. But, yeah, I would expect him to be very motivated and he's going to want to prove to his old coach and team, like, you made a mistake, let me go, and all those type of things. Uh, and, of course, he's going to have two guys that are they're pretty talented, Thielen and, and Jefferson. Uh, they're, you know, I like what I saw from Jefferson. He's a rookie at a few catches, and we know Thielen is you know, one of the better receivers in the game. All right, I'm going to go to one that's like it's only sexy on one side, but I think it's a crucial matchup for the week. I'm going to that Eagles-Rams game. We talked about it a little earlier. There's issues in the interior part of the offensive line with Philadelphia. Aaron Donald is going to be matched up with an inexperienced Matt Pryor, number 69, at right guard, and I would expect that any big situation, they're going to make try to find a way to go, okay, hey, it's third and seven. We know they're going to pass. Let's move our D lineman around to where Aaron Donald's matched up on that guy and make it schematically hard for them to help out on that guy. And I think that, to me, is something I'm going to watch out. I mean, Aaron Donald ruins games like you just we talked about earlier against one of the best offensive lines in football with the Dallas Cowboys. What's he going to do against an offensive line that is spotty at best with pass protection, a quarterback that holds the ball too long, at way too much? And that, that could be the difference in the game. It really can. If Wentz can uh, not get strip sack fumbled and maybe not take so many sacks, the Eagles, Eagles can win it. But if this is one of those things where he's trying to make plays and he gets sacked four or five times and fumbles the ball once or twice, they're going to lose, and it'll probably be Aaron Donald at the center of all that chaos. 
you know, and it's another game where you and I look at the same game and have different matchups that are intriguing. And this one involves guys who would never be on the field at the same time. But it's Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, the top two picks yeah, in the good 2016 one. draft. Right. And, and, and they're both still not – I mean, think about it. 2015, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Neither got a second contract. Both finished their five-year runs with their original teams, but now they're backups. Wentz and Goff got big contracts, but here we are a year later, and I still don't think we're 100% sure they deserve the title of franchise quarterback. And this is a good measuring stick to see where those guys currently are going head-to-head because starting in 2017, that's when we've had this overflow of incredible quarterbacks yeah and we've just kind of forgotten about Goff and Wentz having that draft pedigree they're just kind of there they don't get mentioned with Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson Kyler Murray the truly Deshaun Watson all who have come after them so I'm I'm fascinated by that matchup even and that's not my official pick Um, it just flows out of that same game my official pick for this one is uh, Julio Jones against the Cowboys secondary because you know, early in that Rams-Cowboys game, it was Robert Woods, Robert Woods, Robert Woods, and I think they could have gone to Robert Woods even more than they did. He was only targeted eight times, six catches for 105 yards. Julio Jones had 150 or more, more than 150 last week against the Seahawks. I don't know that the Cowboys can handle Julio Jones. Okay. If they can't handle Robert Woods, they can't handle Julio Jones. And, and we just assume Cowboys coming home, they're going to have about 20,000 people present. They should have won the game on Sunday. I'm not writing off the Falcons just because they got beaten soundly by the Seahawks because the Seahawks may be the best team in the NFL this year. They could be, and let's not forget it was in the third quarter. It was 14-12 on a fourth and five. The game was still very much in the balance, and then Russell Wilson just made an unbelievable play, and the game turned from there with the big touchdown pass to DK Metcalf. So I hear you. I mean, you talk about, like, a big game. Falcons, Cowboys, here we are week two. You two teams start out 0-2. Whoa. So that, that is something to watch out for, certainly. And Julio, I think, is a little banged up, too, right, Mike? So we don't even know. I mean, I, th- I think he's got a little bit hamstring, of a hamstring. Limited. Right? Hamstring, limited. So hamstring, yeah. We'll see yep. where that goes. All right. I don't like to do this, but I'm going to do this because I don't want to double dip in games, but I, I just can't help it with this one. Do you see any peas on my plate? No, I don't. Right, go ahead. All right. So yeah. DK Metcalf you know versus Stefan Gilmore. That's where I'm going to go. The, Back no, to the same game. I know. I'm sorry. Maybe we need to make a rule of double dipping for now on, but it's too late for this one. DK Metcalf, the go-to target for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's making comments like he's the best receiver in football. Stephon Gilmore is viewed by most as the best corner in football. The, Pat, the Patriots play man-to-man a lot. So that is one I'm going to be tuned in to see because they're going to put pressure on Gilmore – uh, with Seattle because they're going to attack downfield with that passing game and deep passes that Russell Wilson could throw so great to DK. All right, that's it for Thursday. The PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned Joint Megapix podcast will be on Peacock at 5 p.m. Eastern tonight. We make all of our picks against the spread, and Chris is going to gloat because he swept me on the four games we disagreed on woo, last woo, week. Woo, 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 woo. I can take it, and I'll get him sooner rather than later, maybe this week. We'll see everybody later today. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy the game tonight. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.